0: Aaron McKeown's Facts of life. A hat on a hat. <laughs> child of god she wants to be stumbles over briar and branch or falls off the tree recognize the obstacle still she is stepping in it and criticized for the child of god she wants to be precious the momentary comet asleep pregnant the meanings of warnings especially question the answers and chancery of status quo acceptance return to the message of what you know every day give me the strength of a thousand beams every day carry me and lift me and hold me so I am thankful for the prayers that are answered every day too depressed in the holidays So vacate the habits And stay close to what you love Mandate and prorate The style of our tank array. Sit so as a backbone Learn to stand up for the audio Tactile, tactile In the process of knowing What you know You dismantle the rot And the ruin of a straight line One chance to say something Deep in the audio Every day, I give me the strength of thousand beams Every day, I carry me and lift me and hold me Every day, I give me the strength of a thousand beams Every day, I carry me and lift me and hold me So when the orchestra, it turns itself up from the dissonance, a manifestra a violent sweep into consciousness Harmony in the style and the guise of martinis Continents in the verbiage and endings of paragraphs That trust is the anecdote to the droid of plus one A plus we all late, the principal corrective a jealous of the wealth of other girls A call on a higher power to finish where the math is Every day Give me strength a thousand Every day Carry me, lift me and hold me Every day Give me strength a thousand Every day Today's audio is a version of my song, Manifestra, recorded live at the ARC in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on January 10th, 2013. It features my dear friends and killer musicians Mark Dalio on drums and Matt Douglas on baritone sax. My new album, also titled Manifestra, had come out a few days before, and we were starting our journey across the country, playing wonderful rooms like the Ark. Towards the end of the episode, you'll hear why I chose this song for today's audio, but it has always been one of my favorites. If you were paying attention to my social media, you'd have seen that a few weeks ago I was a guest on a wonderful podcast called The Midnight Disease, created and hosted by Sam Dingman. I loved my conversation with Sam. We covered our own early creative experiences, the role that drugs and alcohol play in the creative process, and the mystery of the whole project of trying to make stuff, as well as trying to make a life based on making stuff. The meta of the meta, so to speak, or... A hat on a hat. One of the surprises about being on someone's pod is that you just don't know how it will turn out once it's all assembled. You have your conversation, then you leave it in someone else's hands. I knew Sam would do a wonderful job. He really cares about sound and editing and creating a world for the listener. Something I really value as well. So when I went to listen to myself on his podcast, I was delighted but not totally surprised that he introduced our conversation with an insightful, personal, and heartfelt reflection. It was a rare opportunity for me to hear how my music had impacted someone directly. So, on today's Facts of Life, I am going to excerpt some of that intro and our conversation from Sam's podcast. But first, I asked Sam if he'd come on Facts of Life so I could return the favor. Stay tuned for the facts he sends at the end of our conversation. It's quite profound. Thus, in gratitude and reciprocal validation, I now offer my introduction and conversation with writer and host Sam Dingman. Sam Dingman came to me out of the blue, which is my favorite way. Earlier this year, he had written a very sincere, professional, and complimentary email asking me to be a guest on a podcast he was starting about artists and their relationship with their muses, The Midnight Disease. I love podcasts and listen to tons of them, but it's a big world, and I had never heard of him before. Compliments are fine and dandy, but a quick Google search told me that Sam was a serious creator in his own right. I said yes to his pod, we had a wonderful conversation, and then just kept talking. We had so much to talk about. And then we made a date to talk again. This time, Sam kindly offered me his thoughts on Facts of Life and how to grow it in the future. It was a generous session, rich with good ideas that I'm still thinking about months later. But the real delight of Sam is his work. He has made lots of pods for all the big names. But beyond The Midnight Disease, which I highly recommend, and his newest one, Sports Explains the World, I have to point you to The Rumor, which shows you everything unique and great about the kind of storyteller Sam is. Like me, Sam comes from the Maryland-Virginia orbit and loved the Orioles growing up, but unlike me, he grew up hearing The Rumor. I don't want to spoil the podcast, but this rumor involves the Orioles, Baltimore City, Power Grids, Kevin Costner, Extramarital Affairs, and the consecutive game streak of Orioles legend and my childhood hero, Cal Ripken. Over the course of the Rumors episodes, Sam weaves urban myth, childhood nostalgia, arcane city policy, and just plain weirdness into a beautiful audio experience that encourages the listener to dig into their own past. It's the kind of eloquent collection of sources and experiences that I hope to achieve on the facts of life. So here's what I have discovered. As host and writer, Sam is invariably kind, curious, and game for anything. He is a seeker, and he uses his work to look for answers in the most accessible ways. He has an actor's gift for truly listening and then sending the ball back with something on it. In short, he is an excellent scene partner, whether you're being interviewed by him or binging on one of his podcasts. I hope you enjoy him as much as I do.
1: All right. You can. Can you hear me? Are you? Do you think you're hearing me through this microphone? Does it sound like if I get closer to it? Yeah. Did the sound I change? I'm hearing that. Okay. Great. Great. Great.
0: It's funny because I was gonna do. I was. I was gonna do like a intro, intro or whatever, and be like, "Sam, welcome uh-huh. to <laughs> sure, <laughs> Welcome to sure. Facts of Life." Um. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh shit! Well, if I do that, then I have to think of like a good first question, which I think is." I think is the hardest thing about like interviewing people. Yes. Like, like, where do you start? I was imagining getting into this by starting with like gratitude, right? By saying like, "Thank you for having me on your podcast," which was like such a great. We had a great conversation, but it was a while ago, and I forgot about it. The details that forgot of the details of it, and then um and then listened to it, and the thing that I didn't hear, of course, was your intro, right? Because you thought about it and wrote it later. So I'm on a walk with Carl and I'm listening um to the pod and you spend 10 minutes like a, a pretty good amount of time like telling telling your listeners why you like my music.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was really really exciting to listen to. Um it was really exciting to listen to and and it reminded me, I just want to say thank you for that.
1: Oh my God. I, I can I just say I'm I mean, it was my pleasure to sit in the experience of getting to one of my favorite things about the show is that it is a chance to when I have the privilege of talking to folks like you whose art has like measurably changed the trajectory of my life, is the chance to sit in the memory of like when did this person's artistry enter my life what was the moment that i was in and in a a lot of cases for the first time like really try to think in a sense memory way like why did this connect the way that it did what how did that happen because in the moment something connects you know you don't really know why you just kind of feel something really big and you're like i'm different now (laughs) um but with the benefit of hindsight particularly when it's it's work like yours that has really stayed with me past that moment it's it's such a, a great opportunity for me just in terms of thinking about you know what i would like to believe is the continuum the ever expanding continuum of my experience of of holding up people's art as like articles of faith in my life it's it's a lovely opportunity to to try to re Revisit that root and and understand what was happening in that moment, um, right? And like
0: and braid it into your present, yes, exactly. And like exactly. carry it forward. I like mm-hmm. I like that phrase you use, like an article of faith, like something you carry mm. with you. But there's there's it's making me think of um, right? Something happens to us when we try to say stuff out loud, yeah, or try to write it down. Which which maybe for me is is one of the motivations of my writing world it's mm-hmm. just something happens when we try to write it down um mm-hmm. but it reminds me of a of a thing in tennis where um it's like you're consolidating the impact of it Ooh, and and tell me, tell me what that means the tennis, well the tennis part of it is like um you know tennis you go back and forth you serve a game you receive a game you serve and and you're generally thought to have an advantage when you're serving the game right so if somebody wins okay. when they're receiving it they say they break you Right, you've been
1: broken. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, I know. So, um, I so, think of tennis as so genteel and that's so violent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the break doesn't matter if you don't win the next game. So, because mm. then otherwise you're back to square one and everything uh-huh. is what's called on serve. And so you do something called you consolidate the break. Right. So you have to Ooh. like break somebody but then you have to win your next game and in that way you have made those two acts together like make the thing um a real thing and there's something about what you're talking about that that is reminding me of that which is that like you have this initial experience and for you i think if i'm remembering forgive me for not listening to your intro about me more than once (laughs) that's okay (laughs) i couldn't handle I couldn't handle <laughs> the praise of it, um, but I think you said you were driving a taxi cab.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, we we'll come. We're gonna mm-hmm. come
0: back to that. Um, mm-hmm. So you have that action, which is a, this this experience you have listening to the radio while you're driving the taxi cab, and like having this. I'll 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 play this later for for my listeners so they can hear what you what you eloquently said. But then you yeah you have this second act, which is maybe when you told a friend about it, or maybe when you shared that music with someone else, or maybe now doing the math like 15 years later, like you write about it for your podcast and you do yeah. exactly as you put it, which is go back to that moment, try to figure it out, try to consolidate it.
1: Yes so that's, yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. the 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 moment that your cover of Paper moon was played on WFUV was while I was driving my taxi was the the break. It, I was broken. and the <laughs> consolidation of the break, took 15 years but we got there <laughs> <laughs> okay i just have to say it's extremely meaningful t- to me to hear you say that about the intro to your episode because um something that i would never want to uh, like a burden i would never want to put on the guest but uh, a burden that i feel is um like <laughs> i actually like could not sleep the night after i released your episode because i was kicking myself so much for saying i think i I talked about in your cover of paper moon that i was overcome by like the combination of the strange and the familiar in it because the song was familiar but the way you were performing the song was was new to me um and i was like does aaron think that i'm calling them weird (laughs) like you you know what i mean like or strange or something like um, but i I am (laughs) (laughs) i am
0: and i that was my favorite sentence of what you wrote
1: (laughs) oh thank god (laughs) i'm sorry you lost sleep over it (laughs) well that happens every week you know what i mean there's always something that i say that comes from the heart and you know is is true to my experience of this person's artistry but um that i could also imagine you know when you're an artist and you're trying to create a very specific thing or maybe you're trying to reflect a very specific experience and manifest it in in your work in some way, to have somebody say, this is what this person is doing with their work and to have that then not at all match what the actual attempt on the part of the artist is, I could imagine an artist other than yourself um, having that experience and reacting negatively or, or recoiling somehow.
0: Do you like asking or answering questions better?
1: Oh, I... (laughs) I, I'm just going to be totally honest with you because I feel like your show celebrates this. I much prefer asking questions and I find myself in life also perpetually frustrated, not here obviously, but in life perpetually frustrated that nobody ever asks me a question. Like, I I love (laughs) to ask questions of people. It I mean, this is one of the reasons I wanted to be a cab driver, right, is I wanted to, like, plug into this ongoing conversation with the city and its denizens and and be a part of that tennis match of experience. But one thing I have found, uh, honestly, one of the reasons I really like interviewing people for podcasts is when you interview someone for a podcast, it's understood. I will ask the questions. You will answer the questions. This is a known thing. Um, But that is also born of the fact that in life, I'm often so disappointed that I feel like I am offering the gift of curiosity and interest to someone about their experience. And they take that as a chance to expound about themselves and they also take it as an invitation to exclude <laughs> my experience from this interaction.
0: I gave you an assignment yes. before before you came on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um and let's do the assignment. Okay. Okay, Sam, are you ready to send a fax?
1: I am. I am indeed. All right, let me get my let me get my
0: cover sheet ready for you. We're going to fill out the cover sheet first and then we're going to send the fax. Okay. Have you ever sent a fax before?
1: No, but uh, I listened to your episode with Jose, and uh, I have another fax fact for you. Oh my gosh, um, tell us. Because Jose was sharing that um, faxes are still somewhat common in like medical circumstances. Um, this may be out of date now, but I, for a long time I was a, a producer at the radio show On the Media, WNYC. And we did a story once about, this is circa 2015, so this may have changed, but that faxes back then were still in common usage on Capitol Hill um, when senators or congresspeople wanted to send um, information to each other without the possibility of it being intercepted or um, hacked. Uh, so if they wanted to like do some backroom dealing between offices, but they didn't even want to take the chance of giving an aide a folded-up piece of paper, who could then like leak it to the press. They would fax each other because you can't hack a fax, or at least that's what was suggested no, you at really, the time. No,
0: I don't think you can actually. It's it's that it's that funny medium between electronic and yeah. and uh, tactile.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then it wasn't stored anywhere, so you know I could fax you. Um, you know, I'll vote against right, this or, climate yeah, change your proposal, bill. You... <laughs> your proposal
0: for these amendments or your quid pro quo, quo pro or um, what do they call it? What do they call it in civics class? Didn't we learn the term like por- pork barrel? Yes. Pork uh-huh. barrel spending or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here's, my exactly. po-
1: here's my proposal for pork barrel. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I could read it and rip it up and put it in the garbage and then send you a fax back you know, with some code phrase on it. And unless somebody was going through your trash and taping pieces of paper back together.
0: Right. Or there's always a million things getting shredded. They have like industrial Mm -hmm. shredding on Capitol Hill. So you Mm -hmm, just put that mm -hmm. in the shredder. That's fascinating. Okay. So we're going to fill it out. Uh, First, first part to fill out. Who is the fax to?
1: The fax is to, um, a long, a former friend of mine who I, I would like to be a friend again.
0: Okay. And do you have their number? You don't have I to do. say it, but you do have the room. Okay, so you'd be, able I to, do, yes. you'd be able to fill that. Um, what day are you sending this fax? It could be today. It could be another day. What day are you sending it?
1: I'd like to send it today. Let's let's get this okay. thing running through the today.
0: pipes. Another question on the cover sheet, which is always important. How many pages?
1: Just just one. One with the uh, one plus the cover sheet.
0: See, this is the existential question. So, do we say two pages or one? We're going to say one. Subject line. Okay.
1: Subject line is, don't let this happen.
0: Okay. Now, you have a, a number of options on this cover sheet. Um, you can market any of these things. I'll tell you each one. You can say whether you want to market it or not. Is it urgent? It is urgent. Please reply? Yes. For review?
1: Uh, yes, careful review. Oh, careful review. <laughs> great,
0: great. Uh, please comment? um No, I, th- I just want the
1: reply. Okay, I great. I just want the reply.
0: And is it confidential? Um, <laughs> yes, even though I'm telling you that <laughs> this podcast. Great. Great. Okay, so we filled out our cover sheet, and we've put it with our facts We're putting it into the machine. What is the fax?
1: The fax is, uh, insert person's name here. In the event that they hear this, they will know who they are. Um, and the facts says, uh, I've been thinking a lot about how we always used work as a friendship and we never worked on our friendship. And if it's not too late, I'm ready to work.
0: Sam, that's like, that is a poem. That's not a fax. <laughs> that's a poem. <laughs> that's a deep lyric poem. Okay, we are sent. We are sending that fax. There
1: it goes. There it goes. Do you expect a reply? Sadly, I don't. Okay. Um, I don't. The the reason that I thought that uh, sending this fax on your podcast would be. Um, the way to do this is. This is a person who we had a falling out, and they informed me that they they did never want that, that they had blocked me on all forms of communication, uh, phone, email, um, but not fax. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> that at their parents' house they had a fax machine, and I remember being at their house once, and them telling me, you know what's crazy? You can get spam on your fax machine. Like if somebody has your fax number, they can just send stuff. To your fax machine, so that's what I'm doing.
0: Wow, I'm 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 so blown away by the poetry of that, but also the meaning of it. I think the fax encourages us for these things, right? Because it, it's a slightly yeah. romantic, mm, archaic middle ground, like we were saying, and brevity mm-hmm. is important in a fax. Yep. Absolutely, um, but Absolutely. also this person may receive this and may hold it in their hand and maybe that makes a difference.
1: Yeah, and and I feel like it's also a way of, you know, it's obviously dicey to engage with people who have asked you to not engage with them. Um, and But it's not like, you know, I know where this person lives. I'm not going to show up at their house, you know, at their residence, even though I could do that. Uh, so this feels like a a benignly unsolicited way of, making contact in the literal sense of the word as you're describing like they will have to make contact with this physical page um and decide whether they want to keep this keep this distance or perhaps see if we can bridge the gap
0: and how do you feel right now having sent the facts on the podcast
1: Honestly, I was deciding right up until we got to this part of the. I had like a silly answer for who I was going to send. <laughs> okay, the fax we'll do to. we'll do
0: that in a second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: You can send as many faxes as you want on this podcast.
1: Oh my goodness! Wow, <laughs> yeah. I, I I was not prepared for this. I thought I yeah. only got one. <laughs> no, no, we'll do
0: we'll do another one um, in a second.
1: Yeah, you know, I had a silly answer, but it, uh, you know, the the space you create, Aaron, um, did not feel felt like it was appropriate to say what I. If I really could send a fax to say where I really would send it to.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. Facts of life, appropriate vulnerability, right? And not that many people listen to this podcast, so
1: (laughs) I don't think you have to worry too much. But... In the event that this person does listen, we just became a This American Life story. (laughs) We totally
0: did. We totally did. Oh, my God. It's a podcast of a podcast of a podcast. Yes. Hats on
1: hats on hats. (laughs) So many
0: hats. Hey, y'all. We'll keep the announcements brief. I am looking forward to seeing friends in the American South this November as I feature as the weather with my podcast friends, Welcome to Night Vale. I still need merch help in Charleston, Tampa, and Fort Lauderdale, so drop me an email, Aaron erin at com, to find out more. Productions of Miss You Like Hell are opening soon in Merced, California, and Seattle, Washington, with more to follow in 2024 tickets and info are on the show page of my website and don't forget i am not actually in any of these productions it's just the musical that i wrote finally the usual spiel please consider subscribing if you haven't already you can do that on substack apple or spotify and keep those comments coming i love to hear what y'all are thinking as you listen and now Here's an excerpt from Sam's podcast, The Midnight Disease. You can listen to the whole conversation on Apple or Spotify. It's well worth your
1: time. W-A-L-T, it's the Midnight Disease. To begin, friends, a word, if you please, about my guest on the show today, the one and only Aaron McKeown. Aaron is one of the ever-expanding galaxy of Midnight Disease guests who I first encountered on WFUV, the finest radio station in all the land. WFUV, in fact, becoming sort of a secondary patron saint of this program uh, alongside Mr. Albert Vetch from Wonder Boys. Anyway, Aaron McKeown is a singer-songwriter, a multi-instrumentalist, the author of musicals for the stage, and more recently, the scribe and voice behind Aaron McKeown's Facts of Life, one of my favorite Substacks slash podcasts. Aaron actually describes the facts of life as a fusion between the podcast and essay forms, but however one defines it, it's a delight to listen to. It's full of original music and keenly observed experiential writing, much like their music, which again is the way that I first encountered Aaron's artistry. So there I am one day. I'm driving around in my yellow cab, listening to WFUV, as was my want. And this extraordinary cover of the song Paper Moon came on the radio. And this cover comes on, and it's this incredibly dynamic, kinetic, rattling, shaking, jamming, grooving percussion... And then a really, really sick, thick bass line. And then in comes Aaron's voice.
0: It is only a paper moon sailing over a sea, but it wouldn't be make believe if you believed in me. It is only a canvas sky sailing over a muzzle.
1: And it was this instant sensation of the strange and the familiar happening at once. And as I have told you before in these intros, that was my experience of not just living in New York, but of being a cab driver. The sense of uh, finally finding a home in a place that uh, is not a reasonable home for life. (laughs) A place where... Uh, You have to find purchase in the hailstorm of absurdity. And it's like, that's what was happening in this cover. And it just rhymed. The rhyme with my life was perfect. I almost had to pull my taxi over to think about it and feel it. I became instantly fascinated with Aaron's music and wanted to explore as much of it as I could. The first record that i happened upon was called hundreds of lions and i turned on hundreds of lions for the first time and there's this song called to a hammer
0: we will be the ones pass on forever cause forever we do must fail i will never leave you out of you we will never know it to a hammer everything is a nail to a hammer everything is a nail
1: And Tua Hammer has this same hallmark that Aaron's cover of Paper Moon does, which is this very playful, dynamic, surprising rhythm section. And then this very sweet, beautiful, kind of classical melody in Aaron's voice. And Aaron just has this way of singing that is so rooted and sincere and direct and the lyrics are so true and honest and seem to emanate directly from lived experience. And again, the combination of these factors, this adventurousness anchored by this rooted direct vocal performance uh, and subject matter in the lyrics, I, I have just found it captivating now for years and years and years. Aaron's music brings me Sanctuary in the Storm. And so it was, as you can imagine, very profound for me to get to talk to them on this episode of The Midnight Disease. When you think of the phrase, the midnight disease, as it applies to your own creative practice what comes to mind
0: i have at times felt like my own penchant for creativity was a disease Mm. i can i can relate to that construction of it because it has felt um compulsive i certainly am thinking really specifically of an intimate relationship that i was in where um I would often be finishing writing something in the afternoon and then we would go to dinner or be driving and I wouldn't realize it, but I'm still working on the song in my head. And the person sitting with me at dinner or sitting in the front seat of my car is like, you are not fucking here.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) They were not happy about it. You know, so so I have (laughs) have thought about this. It almost reminds me of like... um, an octopus or something <laughs> I can't get off of me. Yeah. And Sometimes yeah. it's your friend. And other times people are like, what the fuck is on your face? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be eloquent about it, but like, Oh, I think but, you but, just were, <laughs> but like falling, but falling short in, in this way, because I, I think, I mean, I think this is why it's very interesting. What you're asking people, hmm. um, is, is because it is, um, there's no one one angle that you can see the whole thing at. Yeah.
1: So I was thinking, you know, an origin point for me in wanting to have conversations like this is that I have this vivid memory of being—I don't remember how old I was. I think I was in my teens and sitting on a plane for one of the first times, and I was listening to The Roots. I loved The Roots, and I was just in such a state of, of disbelief at the quality of the poetry combined with the crispness and propulsiveness of the music. And it just it felt like this unbelievable magic trick. And I thought, like, maybe if I if I just sit here and transcribe the lyrics, it will somehow be revealed to me how it was generated. Uh, which of course was an utter failure, <laughs> um, and then I remember seeing an interview with Black Thought where he was asked, uh, and this may be out of date information at this point, but um, he was asked how he he did it, and he was like, "It's it's all improvised. It's there when it's happening, and then it's gone."
0: That's a great that's a great story. I think you probably did get something out of writing writing mm-hmm. that down. Mm-hmm. It may be hard to put a finger on. And and maybe at the least of it is that you're like, holy shit, this is good, right? You know, and you knew it in a you knew it in a more visceral way than even the magic you described of listening to it, mm-hmm. right? There's some way of like putting it in your body and then out your pen, like you get a, an experience of it, which I think is is actually um, I I talk to my students a lot about this in terms of like just just try it, just try to play somebody else's music try to copy it. You're not going to be able to play it just like Black Thought did. There's going to be a slippage between how you ingest that and how it comes out if you're thinking, you know, as a musician or as a writer. And I think that's how people develop style. You know, I really think that's how, like, style gets developed. It's like we Mm -hmm. absorb um, all of these different things and we absorb them at a time where we're not very good, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I I have become a good guitar player, I have become a good singer, I've become a good writer, but when I was learning my style, I was not. So mm-hmm. I couldn't hear the Dave Matthews track and reproduce it perfectly. Mm-hmm. As much as I wanted to. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so that so that's one thing I I would say about that. And then the other thing is I'd be really curious um especially with a, a creative muscle like improv, right? Um, or anything that I think mean, the same stories have been told about Jay Z, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or I think we could probably look at any number of instrumentalists who are like in the moment creating something. Um, but it's uh, it's well, when they were thirteen, did it come like that? Mm-hmm. probably was harder when you were 13 and you yes. learn what that muscle is and you and you build that muscle so that then when you have reached artistic maturity which mm-hmm. is not an end point but you know just a marker mm-hmm. then then it's available for you
1: that is very affirming i just want to say to like be reminded of the humanity of that state that I slash we slash anyone is observing in someone that they admire, that it is it's the result of of time spent some some way. I'm trying
0: to think of my earliest memory of that experience. I, I would talk about as being surprised. Like what what, what uh-huh. is my earliest moment of being surprised by making something? Yeah. Right? Because I think that is the most delightful way to describe what creativity is. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I'm, I'm thinking of I was maybe four or five years old and I had uh, my best friend at the time was someone I'd met and like, um, you know, like uh, uh during the summer you send your kid to the library for four hours a day and they play games with them, whatever that was called. Summer Fun Festival is what it was called. Uh-huh. Where I, grew okay. up. I just can't believe I remember that. But anyway, my best friend from Summer Fun Festival and I, she came over to my house and I had a little red boombox. Um, and we decided we were gonna be a band called Wildcats. And the way that we would make music is we would just press record and start singing. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I remember like I remember some of these songs, first of all, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still friends with this person and we talk about this all the time. But I remember us just sitting there making shit up. Yeah. And being like, This is cool. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Where did that mm-hmm. go? We didn't plan it.
1: Mm-hmm. We're wildcats.
0: Mm-hmm. We just turned it on and, yeah. and sang a thing. And that's probably my earliest memory of, like, wow.
1: I would be remiss if I didn't tell you um, just how, how meaningful um, the lyric, um, every day give me the strength of a thousand beams, uh, every day carry me and lift me and hold me. Um, has just ever since i heard it been a source of such light i want to say mm. Um, mm. and so i want to thank you for it and i don't know if that's one of the songs that you still feel i i'm hesitating as i'm saying it because we were just talking about how some songs no you're going to love when i know? tell
0: you where it came from and what it's about you're going to love it
1: okay but okay. i
0: really i really appreciate that it's really um I don't ever take it for granted that people are listening. Um, you know, and that um it it's like a, you know, I it it can be frustrating, um, at at this point in my career where I've had lots of success and also had lots of not success and have had to make a change. You know, it's not it's not really my choice to like stop being a touring artist. Um, it's more motivated by just things out of my control. So if it was up to me, like I would still. I mean, of course, I love to do all these other things, but I love performing and I love touring and I just can't do it anymore. And, you know, my heart is like broken by that. Um, So to know that the efforts that I put into it for so many years are um, being received is really that really means a lot to me. So. It really, I really appreciate you telling me that, and um, that particular line is also important to me, too. So that song is called Manifestra, right? And um, it's the first song I wrote after I stopped drinking and using drugs, and I didn't write a thing for two years. So I stopped using everything in 2008, and I just didn't write, couldn't write, like just... I, I tried to stay patient about it. Other people who'd done the same, gone through the same thing were just like, just stay patient. Don't worry about it. You know, it'll come when it comes because of this really tight relationship we talk about between like the muse and alcohol, for example. So what happens if I take away this thing? Am I going to be a creative person anymore? So for two years, it was dry. And um, and then uh, I played a show at a little gig out out here in the Berkshires and you stay overnight um, afterwards upstairs. And I dreamt that song in completion and I woke up that morning about four or five in the morning with that song with me and i went down to the parlor room that where where we had played the gig the night before and i just sat down and wrote it out and there's maybe of the hundreds of songs i've written in my life maybe four or five of them have have come like that have come fully formed in a dream and there's there's no way to predict that or do anything it's just a gift and and that song was a complete gift and so special to me um, and remains so special for me. Like for me, it's um, obviously because it's marking this important change that I made in my life. It's marking a moment of return to um, to the flame when I wasn't sure if it would come back. It remains like a really special like incantation for me and especially that line for myself as well. And and I don't, again, I because it came to me in this dream, I don't I don't really feel like I have credit for it. I just really do feel like in 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 the most non-woo woo -woo play way possible. I'm not a woo-woo person, but like Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. just came and I just wrote it down. And it's a very, very special song for me.
1: You're right, that makes me love it even more. (laughs) a (laughs) thousand
0: Every day. Hey, y'all, that's it for the audio this episode. Huge thanks to Sam Dingman for coming on Facts of Life. I guess the professional word for it is a crossover, but whatever you want to call it, it was super fun, and I thank him greatly. All right, y'all, thank you, and let's talk soon. Every day, give me the strength of a thousand beams. Every day. Carry me and lift me and hold me Sing every day Every day Give me the strength of a thousand beams Every day Carry me and lift me and hold me Every day Give me the strength of a thousand beams Every day Carry me and hold me